0: Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride in a one-horse open sleigh. Hey! Jingle bells, Batman smells, Robin laid an egg. The Batmobile lost the wheel, and the Joker got away. one horse open tree
1: busting out
2: i go laughing all the wee. <laughs> hello everyone and welcome to the batman universe comic podcast episode number 150 i'm your host dustin and today i have with me
1: this is ed this is
2: Stella and as you heard this is episode 150 now before we celebrate too much yes it is episode 150 but if you <laughs> recall we have released well more than 150 episodes because we used to have the 0.5 cast and a couple of special, you know, weekly episodes of the comic cast when the September events came around. So well over 150, but hey, it's still a milestone, I guess, in, in some eyes. So it's great to be around here for 150 episodes. And those of you who've been listening since the very beginning or those of you who've been listening, you know, since last episode, we appreciate the fact that you are sticking with us and you are listening and giving your comments about the episodes. We have a ridiculous amount of news to go over, and we have three books to cover. But as I said, let's get into the news because there's a bunch of it to cover. So the first thing is the last bit of the convergence tie-in or for the fourth wave of convergence titles were announced um, as far as what was announced that relates to Batman. First one, Detective Comics, written by Len Wein, artist by Dennis Cohen and Bill's. Oh, man, I'm going to say this wrong. and I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, but uh, the solicitation reads, Helena Wayne and Dick Grayson fight side by side in memory of Bruce Wayne as they decide who will become the next Batman. Uh, we also have, well, I'll say it anyway, World's Finest Comics, written by Paul Levitt, Seven Soldiers of Victory, regrouped to defend their city against the Corps invasion while cartoonist scribbly gibbet transcribes their adventures not real sure why the solicitation reads that if it's supposed to be world's finest because as we all know world's finest was originally way 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 back in the day team-ups between batman and superman but whatever uh crime syndicate uh written by brian buccoletto art by phil winslade crime syndicate's absolute control of this their city is challenged when the dome comes down and changes everything now superwoman is on death row while the rest of the team fights one million universes batman and superman so those are the only books that really deal with batman and i i'm kind of hesitant to even believe that world's finest comics has anything to do with batman based off that solicitation but uh that's the last batch of books so it really seems like the first week is going to be batman heavy with uh the release of the nightwing back or Oracle, whatever you want to call it, Barbara Gordon, the Nightwing issue, and the Batman issue, that stuff's coming out. And then we do have, obviously, some other ones. Uh, we have not decided how exactly we're going to be covering it, if it's, we're you know, how exactly Convergence, because all of the other books are going to be on hiatus at the time. We're going to decide that, but uh, trust us when we say we will be covering Convergence, uh, just probably in a different format than what we normally do. So... Uh, that's convergence. Uh, there's also a video that was posted up, uh, Dan DiDio talking about uh, convergence details. Specifically, what he said was uh, one of the things that happened with DC and the New 52 is when we launched the New 52 and we had the Flashpoint story that got us there, the stories that took place in the regular books ended rather abruptly. And I think that's where some of the concern comes from from fans. You didn't get the sense of closure you had with Zero Hour or Crisis. It left people wanting. So, Basically, the fact that he states that comes across as uh, we didn't because we didn't get any closures and when you reference zero hour crisis, it wasn't really a reboot. it was more of like a soft reboot uh, after those where books really didn't start over and things like that Now, there's a lot of talk about what will happen come June after convergence actually occurs, you know whether or not the books are going to reboot if they're going to start over if they're going to do something similar to the new 52 something like that but uh current belief amongst the internet is that uh they will be launching a bunch of new series a bunch of other series will be canceled and we'll probably end up seeing you know some new things you know we also know that a lot of the characters that are appearing in batman eternal are going to have bigger roles come june which would be the first month after convergence so some stuff is going to happen But, you know, who knows what exactly it will be Um, at this point. It's not even worth really discussing because we're so far away. I mean, we're still like six months away from June. and At this point, we've only seen the solicitations for the month of Well, we've seen solicitations for April there. Well, April will be let me rephrase that. March will be coming out this coming week, most likely. Uh, So if you're on the website and you check up. Solicitations will be on the website uh, for March, April. We pri- we pretty much already know based off of the first wave, you know, the waves of convergence. But the reality is, we're still a couple months away from June. But I'm sure we'll find out about it well before June, anyway. So that's what we can look forward to. All right. So the next big thing to talk about is kind of a rumor. Uh, Bleeding Cool was reporting that uh, supposedly there is there could be a new Dark Knight story coming from Frank Miller. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically uh, the rumor states that Frank Miller and Scott Snyder would be scripting the issue, or scripting the series uh, but the nature of the presentation and the release is in a state of conflict as Snyder wants a standalone story drawn by S- Sean Murphy and DC wants a multi-issue series with a rotating team of artists such oh, really? as Andy Kuber, Jim Lee and Greg Capullo um, so the reality of it is, uh, Miller, who drew the first two series, uh, he's in too poor of health to handle penciling duties. So there's going to have to bring in a new artist, regardless. The story would is rumored to focus on Carrie Kelly. Uh, she's elderly and she is searching for a successor to protect Gotham City. Now, the fact that Batman isn't going to necessarily be the main focus, I, I, I don't know. I, what do you guys think of this? In general
3: I would really like to see another story In the Dark Knight universe But what I'm about to say isn't meant to sound Mean or anything But I would like it if They could just do a uh, sequel and kind of forget The Dark Knight Strikes Again um, Which is just not Very good I mean Dark Knight Returns is great But I would like to see more stories in that universe um, But I would like to see them set After the original four-part prestige format when not after the second sequel. And if we do have to go to the second sequel, I mean, I think that my um, my attention span would be much, much less if it's about an old Carrie Kelly. Um, not that, I, that there's probably not a good story to be told there, but I'd, I'd rather see us go back to the immediate aftermath after Dark Knight Returns. But, uh, it, you know, Snyder, Snyder's writing it, so the reality is I'll read it regardless. But
1: this uh, I, I, I think the Dark Knight's time in the sun has come and gone. I think that the first story was amazing. The second story was, uh, you know, and, and I'm afraid that if we continue on that it's just not going to be the quality that we like. And to think that there would be a rotation of artists uh, – Makes me a little nervous, not that, I mean, those are great names that you mentioned, Jim Lee. Yeah, so people that obviously we trust to handle Batman and draw, uh, you know, we see Capullo now currently, we saw Hubert with the, uh, Damien, uh, four issue story, but I think we like to see consistency and it, it would, I think it it would just be daring to go from one issue to another unless they are short standalone stories of Batman in this futuristic setting, four different stories, four different artists. But I honestly think it's just time to kind of hang up that hat of the Dark Knight unless you plan on killing off Batman and showing <laughs> what the rise would be. That would be kind of interesting to call off Batman and be like a Spider-Man Reign situation. Um but, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just think maybe maybe it's not a good idea.
2: Yeah. See, the thing that I'm wondering is, so there's been talk uh, in the past. Uh, the thing that comes to mind is the Scott Snyder Reddit that he did, I believe, back in either November or the end of October. He did a Reddit AMA, and he was talking about how he had plans to come back to that story that he did with Sean Murphy in the Detective Comics number twenty seven issue earlier this year, where Bruce Wayne basically gets to a certain age and he wakes up a clone of himself, so there's always the same Batman, Bruce Wayne, um, going forward. And I'm wondering if there the talk of that somehow got linked to well, Dark Knight returns also as Batman later in his years and Over the summer, we saw Frank Miller and Scott Snyder at Comic Con together, and you know they were posting pictures, or well, Snyder Mm -hmm. was posting pictures of himself with Frank Miller. So I'm wondering if this is just spun out from you know a bunch of different things that have been mentioned or talked about, and that's where they're getting this from. The fact that the original rumor states that Snyder wants a standalone story drawn by Sean Murphy, I mean that right there is basically what he was doing in Detective Comics 27 because Sean Murphy was the artist for that story. But my thoughts on this are the second series was not nearly as good. It was basically like, well, Frank Miller says he'll do it. Why not release it? Because we'll make a boatload of money. This feels like combining Snyder and Miller. Yes, would be great because it's two guys who, you know, and I think Snyder would kind of bring Miller's crazy writing from the past couple years down to earth a little bit more Um, if they were working on it together. But then at the same time, I feel like this is not something we really need. But then again, we really didn't need the Watchmen stuff that they did a couple years ago, and they still chose to do that. So I feel like every once in a while, DC is going to do these things where they're just going to do it because they know they can make some money on it. And if they want to turn it into an event, they're going to do it anyway.
3: To say that Dark Knight Strikes Again is not good is being extremely generous, by the way. Yeah.
2: All right. So the next bit of news we have, it's kind of outside of the normal news. Uh, You have, if you've been visiting the website and reading a lot of the reviews we have, you've noticed that uh, we have been reviewing a lot of the digital books. Uh, First up, the biggest thing with digital books, so Batman Beyond Beyond 2.0 ended last month. And there was talk that they were making way for some new books. Uh, I know that Sensation Comics featuring Wonder Woman started up last month. But for whatever reason, this month, suddenly... uh, We also have uh, Batman meets the Green Hornet that also ended as well last month. So this month, uh, suddenly at the beginning of uh, December, we saw the return of Legends of the Dark Knight, which is basically very short three-issue digital chapters... Uh, stories written by a variety of different. Now, the series itself has been on hiatus, which a lot of people just assumed it ended, but it's been on hiatus for quite some time. I I honestly want to say it's been over a year since the last time we've seen an issue of Legends of the Dark Knight, but it's now back, and there's new issues that are releasing every Friday now. So if you haven't been checking that out, you can check that out. We do have reviews of the chapters that have released Uh, on the website for you to check out, and we'll talk about those a little bit later with some of the other books that have been reviewed. But uh, the other big news regarding digital books is that uh, we also have been reviewing Injustice Gods Among Us because Batman plays a pretty vital role in that series. And it was announced on December 12th uh, that Tom Taylor, the writer of the series since the very inception of it, will be leaving the title. Um, He says that he will be leaving after digital issues number 13 and 14 and he says the simple reason is that he's only one person he's been writing the weekly comic for over two years and he's put everything that he can into every chapter and he can't keep doing it he has other projects that he's working on and the problem is that he also needs to spend time with his family so he's done um the the interesting thing is Injustice Gods Among Us despite the fact that it does not tie into the DC universe it's based off of the game that released a couple years back Injustice Gods Among Us um, that was i mean it was pretty well received it was much well better received than uh, Mortal Kombat vs. DC which was created by the same studio but uh basically the series has been it, i mean it's good i i didn't start reading it right away i picked it up uh, about six months ago and started reading it from the beginning i've been reading it ever since it's actually a pretty decent series i mean like knowing that it's completely outside the box because it has nothing to do with continuity is a huge plus because he can kill off whoever he wants if he wants you. to he can do basically whatever he wants to do because it's taking place in this video game universe rather than the dc normal dc continuity so it's been getting great reviews across the internet including on our websites and you know honestly i hope whatever they plan on doing is you know whatever they plan on doing i hope that they find somebody to do as good of a job as taylor has been doing so sorry to see him go but he's he's done a great job and honestly you can't ask the guy to do it forever
3: no and i read this in trade i don't i don't read it like weekly or something like that but it's it is really good i mean it's it's one of those those things that I expected absolutely nothing out of, and it's really fun to read. So if, if anyone hasn't read it and you're looking for something like Dustin said that's not going to continuity to death, it's actually a really fun read.
1: I don't read it, but I, I do just – even we haven't attacked him or anything, but just to defend his decision, I – writing a weekly title is very fatiguing and uh i just applaud him for lasting for two years and i totally it's very understandable that he wants to step back and focus on other larger works that aren't uh asked of him every week so uh yeah i totally get that for sure
3: i mean a lot of the creators can't go and this I'm not, it's not a, yeah. a blast or anything but oh no like most guys go six eight months and need a month or two off yeah. on their on their own titles. Right. So to, yep. to do a weekly for two years is that's a pretty tall order, man. Good work. Mm-hmm.
2: Props to him. Sorry to see him go. Uh, also on digital news, it was announced that uh, we will be seeing a Arkham Knight tie in. Uh, it was officially announced on December twelfth as well. Uh, DC announced that uh, the prequel comic will be released uh, beginning in February twenty fifteen. Um, the, seri- the digital first comic book will be written by Peter Tomasi, with art by Victor Vek and Art Thibert. I'm sure I again pronounced those, you know, what, at least one of those names wrongs. But uh, the first issue on in print will be going on sale in March, uh, including two variant covers, one by Gary Frank, and the other will feature art from the game itself. Um, the The story is basically to set up the events of uh, Batman Arkham Knight. Um, So if you read, if you, if you played Arkham City, this is supposed to kind of connect the dots, even though we did have an Arkham Knight digital series as well, that also kind of continued the story. But this is, I guess, linking it up. The fact that it's done by Peter Tomasi, I think is interesting because Tomasi is a big enough writer where, So not to say anything bad about the digital comics creators, but most of the time they're not necessarily top-tier creators. And when I say that, I mean, for example, Tom Taylor, he was rather new to DC Comics. He was doing some books, He took over Injustice. He still wasn't very established. And again, nothing against what he's done. He's done a great job. And nothing against anybody else who's done anything. But most of the time, it's not necessarily creators who are writing main series for a long period of time. To get somebody like Peter Tomasi to be writing the prequel comic, I think, is a step in the right direction. Because they're really saying, you know, we're really going to do something that we want to be good. Um, So props to them for trying to, you know, do it right. Sometimes these digital stu- this digital stuff doesn't always work out, especially when it's tied into the video games. But as we've seen with Injustice, they've done a great job of tying it together. So, interested to see what happens.
3: Yeah, and I think that the reason you might get someone with the quality of writing behind him that Tomasi has is the fact that these Arkham video games sales numbers are just getting ridiculous. You know, I mean, you're selling a couple million copies of these Arkham games, and I think that might be one of the reasons they were able to attract uh, someone like him. But Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to this as someone who plays the games and likes Tomasi's work.
2: So, the next thing we have is just when you thought that uh, Batman Endgame was going to be a standalone story, DC decides it's not going to be. So, uh, it was announced on December 12th as well that uh, Batman Endgame will have four tie ins that will tie into the book in the month of March. They include Batgirl Endgame number one, Detective Comics Endgame number one, Arkham Manor Endgame number one, and Gotham Academy Endgame number one. Um, basically, the gist of the solicitations, which like I said, all these solicitations are going to be released. So that, so while you're reading this, you can read them over on the website. But basically, the, the gist of it is that uh, all of these books are going to show the effects of what has been happening in Endgame. Now, keeping in mind that they're all releasing the same month, the final issue of Endgame is also releasing. Uh, I don't know how much spoilers and stuff is going to happen because I imagine Batman Endgame, the last issue, is going to come out before some of these. I can't imagine all of these coming out before. Um, But either way, uh, you know, at least there's not as many. I guess that's the only plus that I can really think of.
3: The one thing I can say about these is with with the newer ones like Gotham Academy being put in there, I can see that they're just maybe trying to get some more readers to that. And the only reason I'm even kind of cool with it is because I don't want books like Gotham Academy to go away. So if you tell me that what we need to do to prop them up and keep those titles going is do a uh, crossover with Endgame, I can live with it from that viewpoint. But uh, I was really hoping to see this one self-contained. It seems like every, well, it's not seems like, every single Snyder arc, and this is nothing against him, of course, Zero Year, Court of Owls, Death of Family, now Endgame, have not have all spun off on other books now. So I wish, uh, just kind of wish they stopped doing that.
1: I also wish that there are some exceptions, but for the most part, the tie-ins aren't very good. Uh, I I think back mostly to death of the family because I think <laughs> I feel like sixty to seventy five percent of those tie-ins were not good. I remember not enjoying those readings. It was it was really the main story, and and I don't when I heard. I have two problems with, especially when I hear Batgirl and Gotham Academy. Uh, My main problem is they're newer, actually, I mean, Arkham Arkham Manor. And so with the exception of Detective, we have relatively new books, relatively new creative teams. Why not let them get their their feet under them before asking to take away from their story and have this? Now, they may be able to continue their story to a certain extent, but I think they're going to be following along. With whatever is going on in Endgame, and that's going to, and and I don't really like that. I, I wish they could have their feet under them, you know, for a year before they're asked to like, you need to do this tie-in thing. I'm also upset with Gotham Academy being brought in. I guess I can see numbers, but it's a little early in the game to say like. I mean, it's only come out with three issues so far. Why are we already saying that, you know, it could potentially be be struggling? And one of the things I really like about Gotham Academy is that Batman isn't smothering it. Little things pop up. Bruce Wayne has popped up. You see these uh, faculty members and staff members that look menacingly close to um, people that are involved in the, in the, in the Batman mythos. But I don't want to... I don't know. I just wish it were self-contained because I like it being part of the Batman books to a certain extent. But I like the fact that Olive is someone that is very unique. And she does have a connection to Batman, but he's not all over it. And so I'm, I'm disappointed in this news.
2: Yeah, the thing is, like, I don't know how much it's going to relate. Now, what I was reading was, you know, a book like Gotham Academy, they're going to be showing you know, their perspectives of whatever the heck Joker's plan is coming to a close. I don't know why they wouldn't have done this in February, knowing that Endgame is ending in March. I don't understand that because it also feels like, well, not only are we going, it almost feels like we've seen this before. This is almost, this is, I want to say just like death of the family where we had death of the, we had all the books have an issue come out in August. Then September happened. Everybody goes on hiatus for a month. Death of the Family starts off, they had like one or two issues, and then all of a sudden, what, wait, we got to go into the tie-ins, and you're breaking up the main story that you're you're trying to accomplish here. And with this, it's almost the same thing, because with some of these books, because they just started, they're not even going to have, uh, you know, they're not even going to have necessarily that many issues out yet. You know, the fact that I think some of them are only going to have like, this will be their sixth issue, if I remember correctly. So, like, the fact that they're going to only have five issues in the can, and then they're going to have to tie in, and then, oh, wait, and then they're going to have to go on hiatus for two months. What What is the... What is... What are they trying to do? That means any cliffhanger that they actually want to have going forward for their series will have to happen in February.
3: Well, I think... And then you won't
2: even see any, another issue until June.
3: I think realistically, Dustin... I agree with your argument. The only thing that sanely they could do is have their first story arc wrapped up in five, right? And do yeah. the time with six and take the break. Plus, look at look at like this too. What are trades? Every trades are basically six issues, right? Yep. So the only way to really have this make any sense is do a five-issue story arc and then have that six standalone. Now I'm hoping this is going to sound awful. I'm hoping that this is a little um, untruth and advertising here that this will be one of those ones where they put, hey, this is an Endgame tie-in on the cover, and it just kind of casually mentioned the events in the background.
2: Yes, um, similar to what they did with Robin Rising.
3: Yeah, if that happens, although that might not be...
2: The or most, Robin, Robin Dead Reck- or whatever. Yeah, Robin's Reckoning. Robin's Reckoning. Yeah.
3: If they do that, where they just, and they just put the badge on the front cover and just kind of mention it in the background, I know that sounds awful because that would be almost misleading all of us that buy the books, but I would be actually more happier with that outcome if that makes any sense.
2: And the thing is, Robin's Reckoning, that was the one tie-in month that I w- didn't really have any problems with. There was a couple things that happened here and there, but, like, for the most part, they did it well. Most of the books were not necessarily completely interrupted from what the story that they were trying to tell, and that was the big thing. Like, I don't like the fact that – I just keep thinking of all of the different books that have done tie-ins, like Court of Owls and Death of the Family and even Zero Year, like – All these times that they've done this, it's never worked, except for Robin's Reckoning, which had nothing to do with, you know, the Snyder story.
3: Mm -hmm. Which was real minimal, too, but that's what we're saying. And Robin's, like, Death of the Family became a problem because they tried to tie it in, like, to the main plot. Yeah. right. And it just didn't... And it didn't make
2: sense after, when you really thought about it.
3: Well, because Joker, because this is supposed to happen one night, and then you had some of the books that would happen over multiple days. I mean, it just didn't... It didn't make sense. But I, I again, I kind of hope that this is. They kind of lie to us a little bit. That they just yeah. kind of put it in the background and say. Because if, if they. Especially like Gotham Academy and, 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 and Arkham Manor, I could see if these were dealing with. If they were almost like um, sequels. Not sequels, but like dealing with the aftermath of what happens in in game, you know? Yeah. Uh, but just kind of in the background. And as long as. Please don't try to time into the main story because I don't think anybody wants to see that. Well, it would
2: be really stupid for them to do that too because if they did it, there's. It's all ending in the same month. So like trying to tie something in that's been going for six issues or well, five issues leading into March. And then all of a sudden say, oh, wait, we're going to tie these, you know, four other titles into the plot at the very end. It wouldn't make any sense. So I'll just leave it at that. All right. So the other thing is also on February or also on December 12th, it was announced the variant covers for the month of March will be. Warner Brothers movie (laughs) themed.
3: These are great, by the way.
2: Yeah, I actually think this is actually. I mean, like they've done some crazy. That's because
1: they've got a Magic Mike cover, and that's your favorite movie, Dustin.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Dustin! Got it on (laughs) Blu-ray.
2: So all of the variant covers. Oh my gosh! All the variant covers will be. Modeled off of original, you know, Warner Brothers movies, uh, but specifically their movie posters. So some of the Batman titles that have these these variant covers: Batgirl will be inspired by Purple Rain, Batman number uh, B- Batman will be inspired by The Mask, Batman Robin will be inspired by Harry Potter, Batman Superman inspired by The Fugitive, Catwoman inspired by Bullet, Detective Comics inspired by The Matrix, Harley Quinn inspired by Jailhouse Rock. Grayson inspired by enter the dragon justice league inspired by magic Mike and teen Titans inspired by the lost boys. So there's a ton of books that are going to be part of this. I mean, you can check out, uh, you can, you know, just type in DC movie variant covers and you'll see them pop up. But over on the website, we have all the books that are related to uh, the DC universe or well, Batman universe specifically. So in some ways I got to say some of these look, freaking amazing it mm-hmm. you know as much as i absolutely despise the fact that i have to buy double issues because i have to get the original cover and the variant cover these variant covers some of them they've been doing an amazing job
3: these are cool um i mean some of these would make excellent larger wall size poster prints you know um and the one that i have to mention that isn't a, a batman universe one but it is absolutely hysterical is the aquaman one which is a takeoff of Free Willy. So that, I mean, some of these are really cool. They this is uh, this is a month they did very very well.
1: Yeah, I almost wish that Back Row would have been um, something else. And the only reason I say that is because several years ago, I'd like to say at least five, perhaps, an artist was doing different takes on. Uh, I remember Teen Titans was Breakfast Club, and they did Batgirl, but Yvonne Craig backgirl as Purple Rain. And I just, like, think back to that when I hear Bat- Purple Rain, and I almost want, like, this Batgirl to do something completely different. So that's my only disappointment in that. But, yeah, I liked looking through them and trying to um, figure out, you know, what was – some of them were easier than others. I didn't know the jailhouse rock. I was trying to figure out what that was. but um, But I'm sure, you know, if they do make posters of this – just put that on your Christmas list, Dustin. The Magic oh, yeah. Mike one, and your wife, I'm sure, will pick that up for you. Yeah, I'm, I'm, sure for
3: the, sure. I'm sure all the staff could get together and get a copy for him, Stella. Have, you know, like, as long as we know He's going yeah. to he's he's hang it up on, on the wall in his own office and look at it every day. I think we can make
2: <laughs> that <it happen. laughs> yeah. Honestly, I have to wonder because... One of the things that I was really happy about a couple years back was when DC Collectibles started doing uh, prints or posters. Uh And some of these variant covers really do deserve to get made into posters. And I don't know why they haven't. And I'm not just talking about these movie ones. There's a lot of variant covers that have been really good. And, I mean, there's ways that you could obviously take the variant cover art and make a print and you can have the poster yourself. It's not really that hard to do. But it would be smart for DC to actually... I mean it doesn't – it does not require a lot of effort for them to make prints available in general. Just saying.
3: Well, no, and, and plus the way they have on-demand printing now though – Yeah, like, exactly. I've thought about this. The way they have on-demand printing from places like art.com is all DC would have to do is, is make a relationship with one of these these online on-demand printing places. And they could make a ton of money. You could go there, select whatever you want and have it printed. And the reality is I know a lot of people are doing that right now and they're cutting DC out of it, not yep. because they want to. But because, because There's, no, there's yeah. no other way to get it done.
2: Exactly. Yeah. A perfect example, that uh, Bat Thanksgiving photo or promo image for Batman Eternal. I looked everywhere trying to find you know a, a version of that that I could get to hang on my wall, and I couldn't. So I ended up just get, taking a high resolution of the image, going to one of those sites, blowing it up, and getting a print of it. And that's – I mean, honestly, that's the only way I could have gotten it because they never actually released it in print form, number one. And number two – there was just there was nowhere to do it, and and I know that's you know it is cutting out DC and it is cutting out you know Fabic because he did the art and he's not getting any credit for it, but the problem is that's I mean that's just something that in my mind there's plenty of people who put po- prints like uh, Mondo Mondo is a company that does tons of prints, and they have all these artists do all kinds of stuff related to. Batman and a bunch of other uh, characters and things like that. Batman was a big thing this year with 75th anniversary, and they make good money off those prints. And I'm sure DC is getting a cut because they are they do have a license with DC, but or Warner Brothers and DC. But the thing is, it would be so smart for them to be able to do that, where basically make cover art in general available, and you can have it in different sizes. You know for a fact they've got it. They've got these images in high resolution just sitting on a hard drive somewhere.
3: Oh yeah, and and with on-demand printing, they would be no inventory. They wouldn't have to print up twenty thousand of them and put them anywhere. Exactly.
1: Can I just say that I I googled them to look at them more closely, and IO9 has them side by side with the original, and I just scrolled down and saw Superman, Wonder Woman, and as a huge fan of Gone with the Wind, that's perhaps that's a good one. my favorite. I will that. That's amazing. I would totally get that because I have a poster gone at the wind, and I'd put it up there <laughs> as a comparison. I hope they do. I think they would. They would uh, rake in the cash if they were to make some posters of this stuff. Beetlejuice,
3: especially uh, since they're they're t- they're doing a takeoff on movie posters, so uh-huh. making them posters of would course, really yeah, really makes sense.
1: But, you betcha, no, betcha. North by Northwest, yeah, awesome stuff.
2: All right. So the last bit of news we have is uh, Scott Snyder did another Reddit AMA. Um, just this past week, kind of talking about some of the uh, things that he talked about. He did talk a little bit more about the Batman books and stuff like that. He did not answer any questions related to the Dark Knight Returns, you know, the third series that could possibly be happening or might not, or is or is not happening. He didn't even touch those questions, but uh, he did talk about Batman Eternal 2, did confirm it yet again. He said that uh, the the story for year two will be very different in story and scope. Um, so basically, who knows whether or not that means the length of it will be shorter. What they do will be different if it'll be as large. I feel like it would actually be smaller because I can't imagine it being even larger. But, hey, whatever. Um, he also said that Stephanie Brown and Harper Row will both be sticking around following the conclusion of the first year. Yeah. Uh, he said that you should be looking towards June to see what he's talking about. So I'm guessing that, as we have said multiple times, there will be some sort of book that will have these characters in them. Who knows what it will be yet, but it will happen in June. And that is, in fact, what I was saying earlier about the uh, first month after Convergence. Um, Convergence will prompt big changes um, for the DC Universe, but not necessarily for the Batman Universe, as we probably already expected. He said instead, Endgame will be the defining point that will change a lot of things within the Batman Universe. Um, That uh, Batman will have one very big change coming in June um, and a couple of smaller ones supporting it. So who knows what exactly he's referring to? Maybe something is happening. We know Capullo is not leaving the book, so they're not talking about the creators or anything like that, but maybe some of the smaller supporting ones are some new series. Um, and the very big change, uh, who knows what that is, but, uh, Uh, He also talked about Eric Border being the Joker from day one. They didn't want to hint at it too much because they didn't want people to figure it out, but they did want to leave the clues there so that if you did see it, you would know. He also confirmed that he does have a Batman project lined up with Sean Murphy, which is that project related to that Detective Comics 27 story, but Sean Murphy is quite busy right now, so there's no set time on when that will actually be happening. Those are basically the highlights. So, I mean, not a lot, nowhere near like, you know, confirmation of Batman Eternal 2 or anything like that, but whatever, I'm glad he does them.
3: Well, and too, if anyone read The wait here, which is what he did with, the, with Sean Murphy, um, I'd love to see those two work together again, so yeah. I hope that happens.
2: Alright, so with that, that is all the news. I told you there was a lot of it, so...
3: I'm a man of my word. <laughs>
2: All right, so let's get into our comic book reviews, and the first one we have is Detective Comics number 37. Introduce a little anarchy. Upset
3: the established order, and everything becomes chaos. Detective Comics number 37, Anarchy Part 1, Storytellers Brian Buccioletto and Francis Manipul. Um, This new story arc opens up with Anarchy executing uh, via freefall and incineration. Uh, Jeb Lester, who's a corrupt member of Wayne Enterprises that we actually last saw during the Icarus storyline before they went on their break. Uh, We then cut to Christmas Eve, and Batman is shown taking down the Mad Hatter, Hatter, as well as Tweedledee and Tweedledum. Uh, Jarvis is kind of doing his typical where's my Alice rant. Uh, where Batman reminds him that he killed her many years ago. Um, He finishes off Jarvis by slamming him through uh, this frozen lake, and when he does, the the ice cracks, and a bunch of skulls come floating to the top. Uh, We then cut to the Batcave, and we see Bruce running some forensics on the skulls to try to identify the victims um, and the murderer for that that, that matter, because we're not sure that it is Jarvis. Um, Alfred suggests that he needs to change clothes and relax and have some Bruce time, uh, and he actually agrees for once, and, and, and Bruce and Alfred take a walk on the grounds of Wayne Manor and kind of admire the, uh, the Christmas lights. Uh, we then cut to Harvey Bullock and his partner looking over a map of Gotham, and he's got pins on the wall where, uh, where the anarchy symbols have been drawn around the city and other pins noting possible targets uh, for more of the vandalism. Uh, we then get to see a call come in for, for Harvey saying that they have found uh, Jeb Lester's body from the first couple pages uh, dead on, at Wayne Enterprises. Um, We then see Harvey go there. Uh, They investigate the body, and Harvey decides he needs to take a look inside uh, Jeb Lester's office. Um, We then see them go inside Win Enterprises, and we see that it's a total madhouse. Uh, Apparently there's been system crashes and things going wrong all day. Uh, We see Harvey get to to Lester's office, and on the terminal, we see a monitor showing a a count up, I guess, as opposed to a count down to 100%, and he wonders what's going to happen when it reaches 100%. Uh, At that point, Batman comes crashing through the window and tells him that when he does, the building will explode. Uh, Batman sounds the alarm to evacuate, but the hacker who's taken control of the system and planted what looks to be explosives um, has locked down the uh, doors and no one can get out. Uh, Batman heads up to the roof to try to stop it. I'm not really sure how. And the issue closes as it looks like the building itself starts to explode in the anarchy. I guess the the first question I have here is that this is the first – you know, story with Anarchy in the New 52 that I'm aware of, and I was just seeing what your expectations were for the character, and are you excited to have Anarchy back? Is he a villain you were looking forward to finally getting to see?
2: Well, I think that's, in some ways, it's a hard question to answer because well, am I looking forward to the character being in the story? Yes. I enjoyed Anarchy, um, the character that he at least he was when uh, he existed in the 90s and was a pretty decent villain for tim drake as robin um but i guess the problem is with this specific issue we don't really see a lot about him i mean this is kind of like setting up the story and in some ways i'm kind of worried about the direction of how they're going because thinking about the fact that this issue came out and how we talked about the fact that detective comics is going to be tying with endgame i'm wondering okay so that's in march Literally, we're going to get three issues of this story before it ties into Endgame, and then we're going to be on a hiatus for two months. So are they actually going to finish this story arc with only three issues? I don't believe so, um, especially with the way this started, because we don't know anything about Anarchy. I mean, he appears very briefly. Uh, we kind of see things that he's doing, but we don't really see a lot of him. We don't know really if it's the same character. um, Necessarily from the 90s, or if it's a, a modified version of it, um, I like the character in general. I and and in the 90s, it was really relevant to have a character like this. Uh, nowadays, not probably as relevant, but there is plenty of people who believe in anarchy and not necessarily anarchy as a thing, but like with all the protests that are happening in the real world and things like that, and people protesting the stuff that the government's doing and the police are doing and things like that, it feels like it is relevant. It's not necessarily intentional, but it is. Um, I will save my thoughts on whether or not this is the version I like until we actually see more of this character. But the biggest thing that holds me back is whether or not we're going to see enough of it before, convergence and the end game tie-in
1: yeah I was trying to I was thinking about what you were saying and I wonder do we have three more but but I guess if it does on March we only have two more before March actually happens January and February I am, you know, I think that this comes at a good time, mainly because fans of Batman hopefully had been watching Beware the Batman, and Anarchy was a a big presence in that, especially the latter part of the season, and so I think just sort of getting your feet wet and and (laughs) getting to know the character through that. gets gets me excited. I, I haven't really had much experience with this particular character except for that. I mean I knew of him, um, but I think this was probably watching Beware the Bat was was probably the, the longest interaction that I've had with him. I'm completely fine with him not being plastered in all of the pages of of this particular issue. I think he like the first few pages, it starts out great just that you realize right away who it is, and then of course Bullock, um, he's somehow connecting it, you know, to a, to a past case and, and checking out all of this stuff. So we're getting almost a behind the scenes look at Anarchy through other characters, and he's not out there altogether. I, I do understand totally the concern, just the fact that if we are stepping very you know, slowly into who this person is. Are we going to finish or is the story going to be interrupted? And I, I mean, unless they're throwing a lot at us in the next issue, I guess it's going to be this way. And uh, I'd be okay with it if I weren't thinking about the fact that it'll be interrupted because I think it starts off nice. I think instead of being out there, the entire issue – having anarchy and who he is a big info dump on him i think they did it nice just setting up the mystery of who this guy is and and what's going on
3: um and and my thoughts on anarchy is i'm glad to see him back um i think that this could be a very interesting story especially if our storytellers here kind of link him to a modern day you know like a, a group of anonymous or something like that which would be you know, if if this becomes a guy who's kind of for the freedom of information type deal, I think this could be an interesting storyline and, and, and something that I think that these two writers especially could really have fun with. So I, I'm glad to see him back. Um, we don't really get to see much of him. I, I did see the like the little flash of the costumish that we got. Um, I do like that more modern look. I don't think we need to see him in the red flowing capes anymore. I do hope that we do get a, a Tim Drake appearance in this storyline. Um, just because Anarchy was such a you know, Bill and for him back in the 90s that I would like to see a at least some kind of appearance from Tim in these issues. And then the second point I, I wanted to get into, and this doesn't mean to sound like I'm just complaining, uh, but I'm, I'm genuinely curious to what you guys thought about this. We have this kind of cool scene where Bruce and Alfred walk around Wayne Manor, but in the other books, Wayne Manor has been seized and turned into an asylum. Has, this, has the timelines for you guys with all the ongoing books just got – extremely confusing and if so is it hurting your enjoyment of the books or are you okay with everything kind of running in its own timeline hopefully to be synced up sometime in the future
2: i feel like we're not going to see any syncing up until after eternal ends basically we're not going to see any sync up until june because with batman in batman batman endgame is happening into the future we have stories like catwoman that's also I, in, not necessarily happening into the future, as far into the future as Endgame, but happening future, more future than what's happening in Eternal. We have Eternal going on its own timeline. We have Batman and Robin that's completely out there. When we have no idea where to link that up, other than just put it at the end of everything. So that it makes sense because there's no way all the stuff that's happening in that book can be happening at the same time as everything else, especially since we haven't seen Damien appear at all. And we probably won't see him appear in any of the other books until after into come June. So with this, I almost feel like the intent was because it took two issues off. I feel like it probably would have synced up a little bit better with Eternal if it was in that time frame. I don't understand how it will sync up since it is going to tie into Endgame at the end. I don't know how that's going to work because when you have these books that are going to be reacting to the events of Endgame, and Endgame is taking place in the future, but these books, some of these books are taking place in the present time, like Arkham Manor is taking place in the present time of what's happening in Eternal. It's very confusing, but at the same time, if you don't pay attention to... Everything that's happening in all the individual books and tried to make it make sense. The story itself that's happening right now in Eternal, I don't really have a problem with. Honestly, them walking around, them lighting up the, you know, lights, that doesn't really distract me completely, to be completely honest. Like, I don't have a problem with what they're trying to do. Um, It was was a nice moment, you know, what Alfred did with the lights for Bruce, but at the same time, a large picture... It is really confusing to try to make sense. And the fact that nobody is actually saying, hey, by the way, this is taking place then, that's what the editor's notes are for. And we've only seen those happen just a couple times.
1: I'm sure that Dustin's conspiracy wall has shifted slightly. <laughs> oh, on it has. Yeah. I, you know what? It's funny because as someone who... I, I, I do somehow get nerdy and or somewhat I should say not somehow somewhat get nerdy and, and think about continuity and, and how it's working and this particular issue it didn't bother me as much I think mostly because I wasn't distracted with this scene I was distracted with the Mad Hatter stuff that was going on because I thought that took away from the story more than this particular scene and I've always seen um, Detective as standing slightly apart from other ones but I think the biggest thing is how is it working with Eternal at, you know, the fact that we have a huge absence with Jim Gordon being away and you've got Bullock and everything. So I do think that if we were to almost erase those two issues that took place in the airport, it would align better. And I can almost foresee something happening in a couple issues or, you know, after we finish this anarchy storyline and then we we get back um, post-endgame. Uh, which is weird, actually, if you think about it, because we're going to be skipping from the past all the way to the future of Endgame. That's kind of a mind whirl. I didn't really think about that when we were talking about it. Uh, but I'm sure we'll get, we'll get back to it somehow. But um, I, I think there are other books that it bothers me more, like Batman bothers me if it's not aligning well with Eternal. And then there was a moment where Arkham Manor had come out before the stuff in Eternal had happened. So I think there are things that are, that are more out there that are more distracting than this particular uh, moment in this issue.
3: And I, I didn't actually have – I didn't have a huge issue with it. Um, it was just something that I, I noticed because of – and I think it was due to the fact that we were reading – and this is nothing – I won't say anything about Eternal. But the other issues we were reading, like the Eternals, were dealing with what was going on. And so it was like, okay, I'm reading one book and then I'm reading this book and it doesn't, you know, affect my enjoyment of the story. And, and, and both our storytellers, Manipal and Bucciolato have done such a really good job since I got on detective that I would even forgive small continuity flubs as long as they keep putting out good stories. I just, it was something that I, when I got done reading the book, I, you know, when you kind of get done with an issue, there's a few things you kind of think about or fix it on when it's over, either good or bad. And it was one of the things that was just kind of bouncing around in my head which was should i care about this continuity error, or should i just not and enjoy the story and i think i kind of just ended up on the same side as it sounded like you guys did which was just let's just enjoy it so
2: all right so detective Comics, summer 37 i'm going to give a total of four out of five
3: uh i'm going to give uh, four out of five yeah i really think this could be a strong start to a cool story
1: I'm going to agree and give it a 4 out of 5. Like I said, my only con I think would be the Mad Hatter. I almost wonder if we took out that scene and added more with Anarchy, could we have pushed the story along slightly? And I love the fact that uh, Manipool is back drawing and there's just an amazing scene where there are different like L-shaped panels going down and like showing Batman climbing up. I love the way that art went. So I'm I'm, I'm so happy that they're back on Detective. Love this book.
2: So that's going to give Detective Comics number 37 a total of Four out of five batterings. Let's move into our next book, Batman Eternal. Batman Eternal number 35. Script by James Tinian. Art by Fernando Blanco. Uh, the issue starts off with we see Batman flying through a building in the Batmobile. But now we skip back to uh, now, which is two weeks since the fall of Hush. We see Bruce Wayne talking to Lucius Fox kind of get an explanation of what we were questioning the last uh, issue or last episode. We were questioning how Wayne could be so broke. Um, and basically Lucius Fox says, listen, you've, you've got to, you know, it's, you, you, it's very bad. You, all of your assets, most the majority of your assets were tied directly to the company. Your bank accounts have been frozen, and all of your property has been seized. Um, you, we already know what they're doing to your, to, to Wayne Manor. They're turning into Arkham, the new Arkham Asylum. Um, but basically, Bruce wants to know what happened to the R&D branch of the company because that has all of the stuff from Batman Incorporated. Uh, Lucius says that the commissioner raided the facilities yesterday afternoon, so they have everything. Um, basically, um, he says, listen, I'd uh, ask you to pay for the coffee, but, uh, I know for a fact as of six days ago, I'm worth roughly eight times as much as you on paper. And he explains, I always did tell you to diversify your investments, Bruce. So I'll go pay. Uh, meanwhile, Bruce calls Julia and Julia is saying, I'm trying to figure out what to do. I don't like the fact that you have locked Tommy Elliot slash Hush in a chamber inside the Batcave, and I have to stare at him, knowing that he attacked my father. Um, Bruce excuses himself from Lucius and says, uh, "The only other thing that I forgot to mention is that uh, Bard has one more thing. He has me. Um, not sure how exactly that works. I didn't think people could be seized, but anyway, uh, we see." Jason Bard trying to get a hold of Vicky Vale. Vicky Vale saying, listen, I'm following up a story. He's like, I've got a story. It's going to be great. It'll be awesome. I need to tell you about it, but I can't tell you about it until it's after it's done. And she says, well, I've got my own story to follow. And we see that she's in Detroit because she's looking for the secret life of Commissioner Jason Bard. Uh, meanwhile, on the rooftop of uh, the GCPD, Bard is there and as as well as uh we see Lucius Fox is also there and we see that there is a, some sort of tracker control device on the Batmobile and we see that um Jason Bard uh detonates two buildings uh that were part of the Wayne I guess the the reconstruction project two buildings being bought he just decides that he's going to detonate them and blow them up I I don't know how that works either but Uh, Then we see that uh, there's a tracker on the Batmobile. Lucius Fox is telling uh, Bard exactly where he is. Uh, We see that Bard has now hacked into the Batmobile with the help of Lucius Fox. Um, While this is happening back in Detroit, we see Vicki Vale talking to a bartender at a cop bar, and she's trying to figure out who Jason Bard is. Meanwhile, back in Gotham, we see the Batmobile be basically attacked by, not necessarily attacked, but go into some sort of ultra-heated wired mesh that was a Wayne Enterprises uh, project. Um, it actually ends up destroying part of the Batmobile. The Batmobile starts falling apart, but now the entire Batmobile is under the control. And uh, now Jason Bart is instructing uh, Lucius Fox to drive him into basically control the vehicle and kill him, essentially. Um, we find out that uh, the Batmobile is jettisoned into a building. It's now driving through multiple floors of Wayne Enterprise's buildings, um, and we see uh, the story. Uh, we find out that the whole reason why Jason Bart is doing this is because so- he lost something, and... Um, it was because of a man that dressed up like, it was because of a man like Batman and, uh, the night that it all happened, he, the bartender saw him and he had a look of a man prepared to burn the world down to make things right. Next up hitting bottom. One thing that I guess I didn't mention is that at the end of the issue, the Batmobile is falling to its doom, uh, which I guess (laughs) is pretty important. I'm not sure why I didn't mention that, but the Batmobile is falling to its doom. And so there's a couple things to talk about here. I'm not going to talk about Hush in the Batcave right now because I feel like that's something we'll talk about in the next issue. But, uh, two main things that I feel really need to be talked about. So we see Jason Bard being hell bent on this idea. So the idea that Hush was controlling Jason Bard is clearly not the case given his actions in this issue. Um, we learn the reason behind what he's doing and why he's doing what he's doing in the next issue. So not talking about that, but do you feel like he kind of went a little bit too far? I mean, everybody who was there was asking, you know, question whether or not he was going too far when he was saying, make the Batmobile go through the buildings, you know, and everyone's concerned about the innocent people that are going to be killed. And he does not care. He's hell bent on, you know, not only destroying the Batmobile, but making sure that Batman, Goes to his death.
3: Thoughts. He went. He went way too far. He 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 blew up two buildings that I don't know what their value would be, but hundreds of millions of each, right? Which no court is ever going to let you be like, oh, they they were a company. Yeah, blow the buildings up. That's just not. I mean, that's not how that's going to go down. Um, the, the the, you know, he pushes Lucius way too far with the, uh, you know, we, we're going to kill him. Um, you get a lot of the dialogue from the, from the police officers that are there and everybody else, which is just he's gone too far. And, and realistically, and I think that this might be where this ends up, I think that you, you see enough here that you could get a criminal misconduct case or at the very least get him dismissed from the force. So yeah, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt that this type of behavior would be acceptable. I mean, you have destruction of public property, you have endangering lives, you have attempted murder, not, not, I mean, he's not attempting to capture him. He's trying to, he's attempting to kill him. Um, m- my shock from this part is that no one stops him being Harvey or any other cop, for that matter, or or anybody else. It's obvious that he's off the deep end. And I think that this is eventually how we'll see him removed from office at some point um, because he is – he's off the ranch here. I mean he's, he's crazy, crazy.
1: He's crazy, crazy. Well, it's funny because it, it – or I guess it's ironic because the Batman thing is what makes people say – Perhaps you need to rethink this. Because someone does stutter to a certain extent with the exploding of the building, but they've been following his orders so far. They've evacuated that area. Uh, the woman was questioning the blast radius and everything, but it's not like they, they didn't go up against him and say, hey, this isn't a good idea at that point. It was when... You know, he they were they got control of the of the Batmobile and all that that crazy stuff was happening. I mean, even Bullock was saying, "Is this too far?" And Bullock, we all know how much Bullock hates Batman. So when that's happening, it's very much I think flashing back or reminiscent of Jason Bard, uh, Jason Todd, telling uh, Batgirl, uh, you know, you need to you need to chill out a little bit. Um, so yes, it's he has gone too far, and I think people are starting to realize he may not be the person he says he is.
2: Okay, so I've got two follow-up questions to that because I was thinking about this. Okay, so do you feel like I mean, knowing what happens in the next issue, you know, you know, you know, he it's like a revenge, uh, like an avenging type thing, even though it's not directly related to Batman, um, but. My question is, do you feel like he's portrayed the same way now as he has been in the entire series? Or do you feel like this... I mean, to me, it comes across as he's suddenly completely changed. He's gone off the deep end. But really, what's what's the defining moment that makes him go off the deep end? Because, like, we see him dealing with Batman on multiple occasions. He's not showing any sort of, like, you know, he's not harboring any feelings towards Batman. At least it's not shown... We see the fact that, you know, yeah, he screws over Gordon by destroying the somehow magically the only evidence. By the way, we're, how come we haven't seen Jim Gordon in so long? But the the thing is, it feels like suddenly Hush isn't around and now he's free to do whatever he wants. So it's given the appearance that he was under the control of Hush. Now that Hush is out of the picture, he can do what he wants, which is to take out Batman. But if that was the if, – if whoever's running this entire thing, if that was the intent, why would he let him kill him?
3: I kind of took it as the opposite because there's several references in the in the book to, well, he, we, we now know you're not being controlled by him. And I can't remember which one. It's but, the next issue, but yeah. Is, is it, but I mean there's, there's several references to, well, now that we have Hush in a cage, we know you're not being controlled by him. I think it's the opposite. I think – and the only way I can reasonably make this story come full circle in my head is – was hush keeping bard on a chain you know what i'm saying like yeah. was hush the one saying hey listen we have a plan we have to stick to the plan this is how we're going to accomplish this and i think with when when hush disappears i think the mad dog gets off his leash you know and while hush was the one saying no we're going to be organized a b c d e this is the plan now with hush gone i think it's allowing bard to go crazy and do whatever he wants to so i kind of view it as why Hush getting locked up is why we see him go totally crazy because he no longer has someone there to stop him.
1: I, I don't know if I fully agree with that. I, I think that something w- already was broken inside of Jason, which we see in that next issue, and Hush was really the catalyst to bring it forward and to give him an outlet for how this can be used. But if, if what Ed is saying is true, then Jason had been... <clears throat> subservient all along. And and the previous issue, I think, wasn't it just the previous issue that Hush, like, smashed a bottle and was about to kill, uh, kill Jason? Remember when Jason was drinking on the roof? And so, I don't, is that an elaborate act? And, you know, and all this was going down? And and is Jason higher above I mean that's that's ooh mind blowing or mind boggling to say the least uh i part of me thinks that hush really was over him and uh he was kept in check while hush did let him get out to a certain extent i think he was keeping him in check as long as he followed his plan that jason had to follow hush's plan and now that hush is gone yeah mad dog on the loose so i don't know if he was in charge or it's just that you know With the cat gone, the mice will play.
2: And I, and I guess the other thing that I just randomly thought of, which I'm not really looking for a discussion on it, but it just this all this stuff that's been happening, just this issue and the next issue, makes me really question how in the world this guy was named as the commissioner. I don't think we ever t- really talked about that because, like, he has the least amount of experience in Gotham City. There's plenty of other people who could have been promoted Maggie Sawyer comes to mind. Yep. I don't think Harvey Bullock would have ever wanted it, but Maggie Sawyer is the first one that comes to my mind as someone who would have been next in line to become the commissioner. And to see the fact that this guy who has literally been on the job for like weeks in this city has transferred from Detroit and is instantaneously made into the commissioner. And now there's really, I mean, who's really the only person who can fire him is the mayor. And we know the mayor's corrupt, but we haven't seen the mayor. So, okay, so my other question dealing with uh, kind of this, but is these comments between Bruce and Lucius Fox? You know, we talked about this last we talked about this last episode where we said, you know, how is it that Bruce is completely broke? It doesn't make any sense. Mm -hmm. Nobody in their right mind has all of their their well tied into their one company. This obviously shows that I guess he did. I guess he was the dumbest guy on the block and Lucius Fox who... Was the CEO of the company had money in other companies, and is now richer than Bruce Wayne? Whatever, I guess we just have to deal with their, you know, their, you know, reasoning behind that. What I'm not understanding though is, you know, everything seized by the government. You know, all the holdings were frozen. All that stuff happened. I get it, fine. That's the way they want to explain it. But going back to kind of, you know, Jason Bard being able to blow up construction projects because it was the reconstruction that Wayne was doing. He's able to just blow that up because the, it was, I guess it was, you know, seized by the government. I don't know why you would blow it up. I don't know why somebody else wouldn't want to buy it up. Whatever. I guess is Gotham city. Nobody wants to deal with the Gotham city. He blows that up, but then they also make this point that Lucius is now working for Jason Bart. Mm-hmm. If Lucius is eight times richer than Bruce Wayne, Why would he have to work at all? What are they holding over Lucius's head that's making him do this? It doesn't make any sense. Like I get that he understands the technology and if, you know, they're trying to catch Batman and they're trying to use the tech that Wayne Tech, that Wayne Enterprises created against Batman, Lucius would be the person to do it. But why would Lucius be doing it in the first place? He didn't necessarily do anything wrong. They never said that he was going to go to jail because he was making stuff for Batman even though everybody already knew that was the case because of Batman Incorporated, so like, I guess I just have a hard time understanding why Lucius would be working with Jason Bart.
1: If if Bruce's photo broke, then eight times that could be anything. Uh, you, you don't really know how much. I feel like he's not a millionaire, but I think it's also just symbolic of the fact that. He probably was not approving of what Bruce was doing anyways. And remember in the previous issue or two issues ago before this even happened, Bruce had promised that this was like – the explosion of the cache of weapons was not going to happen again. He promised. And so I think in a a certain way, Lucius feels betrayed by Bruce and like he feels like he was let down and – he can't trust him anymore. So I think he's going on the side that he feels is right in this way. And, and I think that he he chose incorrectly and he realizes that quite quickly in this particular issue.
3: Yeah, I think that's absolutely it, though. I think it's the moral component. I think that he had a problem with Bruce hiding weapons around the city. Mm-hmm. I think he had a problem with putting innocent people in harm's way. And I think that he had thought that they had gone too far. Now, I think that Bard quickly, because I think what he was, Lucius was down for was was capturing batman and kind of ending this kind of war i don't think lucius was down for killing him as you can see yeah you know um i think that he thought he was going to help bring him in and maybe work to some kind of resolution here um but i think that we see that that's not what happened i think lucius does feel betrayed um but the rest of it like again it's not a deal breaker for me on the story but the idea of bard blowing up the buildings and all that is just ludicrous but um I guess that's just to add emphasis to the story. But I think that's what Lucius was doing, was he was making a moral stand, except he didn't realize he was making a moral stand with a guy that was far, far worse than what he was standing up against.
2: All right, so Batman Eternal number 35, I'm going to give this one four out of five.
1: Three out of five? I'm going to go with four out of five.
2: And over on the website, Corbin gave it four, so that's going to give Batman Eternal number 35 a total of four out of five batterings. Let's move into our next book, also Batman Eternal. Batman Eternal number thirty six, written, scripted by James Tynion IV, art by Fernando Blanco. The issue starts off with Robin in Robin's nest. We see Harper Rowe talking to her brother who is in a hospital bed. She's kind of talking to him about some of the stuff that's been going on, including seeing Tim, well, Red Robin, come out of the shower. I'm not <laughs> sure why that's relevant, but it was it was a big points that she you had know to know why it's relevant. Oh yeah. Um, we then see the Batmobile tumbling to its doom. Julia's trying to figure out what to do when all of a sudden she figured out the uh, there was a command that she could use called Blue Rose and, she, and Batman Batmobile smashes to the ground. Everyone assumes that Batman's dead. Everyone, everyone who's on the roof with Bard immediately is completely ticked off and pissed that he did what he did and they all leave him. Um, we then see the bartender talking to Vicki Vale, explaining exactly why Bard is the way he is. It turns out he was taking down a gang with his partner, who he happened to also be in love with, who also happens to look just like Vicky Vale, um, which was pointed out by the bartender. I'm not just saying that because of the art, but uh, as they were about to take out a gang, there was a guy who was dressed up as Batman, I guess attempting to also help out but in the meantime caused the his uh jason bard's partner to get two bullets in the head um by the time he showed up at the end of the night to uh the bar he was covered in her blood and uh commissioner gordon was on happened to be on tv talking about batman and bard was pretty ticked about the fact that uh gordon encourages Batman and works with the vigilante because it's 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 wrong. He shouldn't be doing that. And uh, he states that uh, with the right resources and a good and a cop with his head on his shoulders, uh, the city could be could be good again. Turns out complete happenstance, I suppose. (laughs) Tommy Elliott happens to be in this bar in Detroit at the same exact time. And I guess this is when they first meet. Uh, We then see Bard get a – or Vicky get a phone call from Bard and she says, uh, listen, I've got a story too. Uh, She explains that she knows exactly what's going on. He says, no, no, there's more to it. You you can't know everything. You don't understand. There's more to everything and uh, he's trying to say that his entire – his story is that Batman's dead. She's like, it doesn't matter. He's not really dead. He'll come and punch you in the face. Next page – Batman comes and punches him in the face.
1: Yay. <laughs> I thought that was pretty comical. I thought it was too. <laughs> yeah.
2: Batman even states that uh, Bard has a very smart girlfriend. Um, and we find we see that Batman basically says, uh, you know, you're done. I know exactly what's going on. There's no way that you're going to stop me. Now you've revealed your true colors and mm-hmm. everyone knows who you really are. Bard says he really doesn't care and he will continue to do it because uh, basically he doesn't care about collateral damage. Batman is can, is, is pretty ticked off about this. Bard says, uh, uh, "You put your hands up, you're under arrest. When all of a sudden the entire Bat family shows up, including Jason Todd, Batgirl, and Tim Drake. Uh, Batman throws down a smoke grenade and or a smoke pellet and they all disappear. Um, Batgirl even states, listen, if you... Uh, if you don't try to do the right thing, we'll have another chat. So uh, then <laughs> the the issue continues, where the Bat Family is now back at the Bat Cave. Um, they're all pretty. They're they're not necessarily all understanding the the idea be, be, by keeping Hush in this chamber in the Bat Cave. But the reason being is if they give Hush back to the police and let him be under arrest, they. Could release him yet again because Bart is controlling the police force right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, We then see uh, the the family kind of uh, talk about it. Uh, Hush or Batman ends up going inside the chamber with Hush explains, you know, uh, Hush is kind of like taunting Batman into doing something. Julie ends up pulling a gun on Hush and and, uh, Tim stops her from shooting, but not before it actually does shoot. And it turns out it's not a bullet to tranquilize her because she's sick and tired of hearing him talk. Uh, we then see Batman kind of trying to figure out exactly what's going on. He says there's so much more going on than we've ever than we ever knew. Uh, we still have no idea who is behind the nanovirus that's you know making its way through the population. We have no idea who was behind the destruction of Arkham Asylum. We have no idea who hired, uh, Rio to create the technology that that uh, you know framed Jim Gordon. Everything's connected, and we can we still have not figured out why. Uh, the Bat Family decides to leave. Uh, Julia and Batman kind of have a moment uh, together where she he kind of reassures her that she's doing a good job, even though she's being very hard on herself. Um, she, he says, you know, take the night off. Um, I'm going to try to figure out who's behind all of this and how this all links together. Meanwhile, Hush, who's about to pass out, he says, "It's going. I'm going to enjoy watching you go insane trying to figure this out." Um, and then we find out the person who supposedly is at least behind it, because he has a wall full of strings. Wanna know? To you? To the way, yeah. Stella describes me and yeah, my, <laughs> my fascination with continuity. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's revealed that it's the Riddler. Riddler is the one trying, you know, putting all the pieces together, and he says, you're going to need a little push. Next up, Villains United. The thing I liked most about this issue was the fact that they kind of referenced, now it wasn't, they referenced a lot of things that have happened that we haven't really seen for quite some time. Um, they referenced the nanovirus, which it's been like 20 issues at least since we've seen anything related to the nanovirus. Um, And they also referenced the destruction of Arkham Asylum because we still don't know, have any idea how that ties into everything and how – who's behind that in general. And then they also talked about, you know, Jim Gordon since we haven't talked about him. So it's really nice that they reference these things even if it is by name alone as this reasoning, you know – to bring them back into the fold. Cause obviously these things are still something that's going to take place. Now, I guess the question in my mind, the, the first question that I have immediately is they show the Riddler at the end. Um, and he basically has this wall with all the strings on it, connecting all these villains, which by all means, you know, if he's the person who's connecting all the villains, great. But my main question is, do you really think that it's the Riddler behind this entire event that's happening, or do you feel like it is somebody else, and Riddler's just another piece in the puzzle?
1: He's held a grudge Whoa. ever since Zero Year.
3: I don't think they can do another one. I, I don't think we've got enough issues left with all the insane story arcs. I mean, that we got to tie up. I, I, I think that pulling the switcheroo with Hush. I mean, you can't keep using the same trick over and over again. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you can't keep going. This is the big bad. Never mind. (laughs) It's you know.
2: But they um, never actually say that it's the big bad. They just choose to focus on that character for an extended amount of time.
3: They really imply that Hush is. Remember, we saw Hush is the one who's got uh, Stephanie's dad and all them who are we haven't heard from in a month, two months now. You know. Yeah,
2: but when you think about it like that, showing that Riddler's been, you know, the piece of you know that's connecting all of these different characters together, doesn't it feel like almost just a larger scale of what they did with Hush?
3: Yeah, kinda, of, but the other reason I think that he's the, 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 the bad guy here, the, the the light at the end of the tunnel or the darkness at the end of the tunnel, I suppose, is that this story now is really reminding me a lot of Hush. You know, I mean, hmm. Hush, is the, Hush was the big bad, but no, he's not. The Riddler's really behind it. Like if Damian Wayne, if Clayface shows up as Damian Wayne next week, you know, yeah. I mean, then I might lose it because this story seems to me to be an expanded homage to Hush. I mean, it's expanded and there's more stuff going on, but this is this is Hush again, you know, and so in that vein, I believe that Riddler is the end game person because he was the end game person in the original hush. Um, and I don't know who else it could be really. I mean, well, I've got a thought. Ghul, I mean, maybe Jim Gordon jr. Just cause I can't, I, I keep going back to the glasses thing. And I know that that's probably shouldn't, but that first issue of Batman eternal one, I keep going back to the glasses and I don't know why Riddler does wear glasses though from time to time. So, um, you could see it being him. Um, but I, I'm thinking that this is the end of the road, just because we've only got what 12 more issues of Eternal left, somewhere uh, in there.
2: I think it's ending with 52. Yeah. So for or 50. I can't remember exactly what it's ending it's with, but speed, we've got yeah. like we've got about four. We got about at least 15.
3: About 15 issues with a lot of little side plots that we have. That some of those side issues are going to be used to tie up, right? Um, and plus we know that we've got to get to the Catwoman part of the story in our flash forward. So we've got to get uh, Bluebird hmm. in a costume. We've got to get Harper with a gun. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we've got to get all that done in a couple issues so we can get to where we are with that Catwoman take on it. So I and think
2: I think, that- I think that's coming up though because – Got to be a lot of yeah, because uh, if I remember correctly, when they did Batman 28 with that uh, you know advanced look at what would happen, they said it was going to take place around issue 39 to 40. So we're only a couple weeks away from that happening,
3: yeah. And I think we've got to start. I think, unfortunately, there's a lot of box we have to tick off to get to the end of the story at this point, yeah, which is we have to do this, 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 this. I don't think now would it surprise me totally, no, but. For some reason, this is starting to feel like, and I, maybe it's just the Riddler with the Hush backup the way they did it with Hush supposed to be a big bad, then Riddler being the one. But I'm starting to feel like I've read this story before now. Um, but I think it's probably Riddler. Now, certainly open to ideas, but if you had to put a gun to my head and make me put a, put a bet down on the board, <laughs> that's what I would say.
1: <laughs> Why would we? You know? Ed. Knock, knock. Because
3: you're mean. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, you know, in, in your listing of things that have to happen, you forgot to say Dick Grayson has to become Batman because that's been yeah. remember I mentioned that, yeah. that I still hold true to that I still hold true to that belief um, you know as I was reading this issue and everything was getting wrapped up I thought oh is this the end and then I had to double check and think about oh wait no this is it's it's only half over <laughs> um, so it's taken 36 issues to get to this point and um, <sighs> yeah I, I don't know I feel like I was shocked that it was Riddler pulling, pulling the strings. Get it? But I was also disappointed because if it is in fact him, I feel like there's something. There was something bigger out there to to be to have much more potential and, and have a bigger shock value than this. Um, and the fact that. There are all these pictures of string, uh, of, you know, images on these strings of some people we've not even seen yet. Like, the first one I thought of was Clayface. I feel like, have we really seen Clayface at all in this Eternal? So I think things have yet to unfold. And maybe he's the second tier of this big pyramid and there is somebody at the top. But um, I was shocked. But again... Not the, not the character that I would have liked to have seen if he is in fact the stream maker, I don't know if I, I I agree with I guess if I were held at gunpoint as well if we're going to continue this analogy then I would hope that we're not thrown yet another curveball and like well actually kids it's Carmine Felk or you know but yeah, I, I guess it could be him but I'm just disappointed I feel like it's anticlimactic if that is it
2: Okay, so I will say this. It's not Riddler. That's my thought. Okay. You're, like, I definitively Attaboy. will not say it's the Riddler. With
1: a gun because, pointed to his yes, head. Yes,
2: with a gun pointed to my head, I am saying it's not Riddler. Well, and one this of us is, is going to die. And this is the reason why I think, <laughs> I, yeah, I guess so. Oh, gosh. So I guess it, it, either somebody's going to die or, or two of us are going to die. But uh, anyway, um, no, I'm convinced it's not the Riddler, and this is why. One because it does, it 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 would be a complete rehash of the original Hush story, and I feel like that's not something they should have done. And I think that they're aware of this, you know that I mean they're very aware of the story clearly because there's very there's a lot of parallels. But to have the story be like that, end like that, where it's the Riddler behind everything, it would be basically retreading something with just different subplots. So I don't think it's thriller. What I do believe, though, is like I was saying, you know, we sh- they showed Hush being in charge of certain elements. Uh, we well, okay, let's even go further back. We saw Falcone and the whole gang war, and that involved certain characters like Penguin, and they were all linked together in some way. Roadrunner, Tiger Shark, all these characters were linked. The subplot of the gang war led to Selina, you know, becoming the the crime boss for. Gotham City because of that, so they changed that. Was that the intent to have Selena as the crime boss? I have a hard time believing that. Um, the then we go to Hush, and Hush has like all these sealess villains, like Cluemaster and uh, Ratcatcher, and he's got all these characters, and the, he he has his own plan that he's in charge of. And I feel like every time you take a step, or in in some cases, every time we go to a new act of the story, you're revealed to have the next step of who's who's behind everything you know hush is very much you know very much can control these lesser you know important villains to do these weird crazy things that you know just kind of put gotham city in you know a state of you know chaos you know but when you come to the riddler he's very good at making sure that all these different villains have certain a certain part but i feel like he's not the ultimate villain and i f- say that I'm not looking at this glasses thing because I either feel like the glasses thing is an oversight that we're thinking about way too hard or somebody's just wearing glasses. You know, the city's on fire, so they're wearing a pair of sunglasses. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to go with that. So the thing is, I don't feel like it's the Riddler who would be tying Batman up to the bat signal while the city's on fire. I don't think it would be that at all. I feel like it's somebody else. And I'm going to go here and say – I feel like it would either be Lincoln March at this Mm -hmm. point, Mm -hmm. or Ra's al Ghul. Oh dear! And the only reason I say that is because both of those characters know the identity of Batman. Mm -hmm. So it would be so you know at the very end of the story when he's tying it up and saying you know you failed blah blah blah, it makes complete sense for either one of those characters to for it to happen. I don't think I ever said ever that I thought it was the Riddler, although. Bringing in the Riddler at this point, yes, there is a lot of stuff that needs to happen between now and the end of the story. Mm-hmm. But I don't feel like, you know, if they brought somebody on at the in the last two issues, it would really be, it would really, I mean, like honestly, when you think of the, if you just read the Hush story, yes, the Riddler ends up being the big bad, but it's not really a Riddler story. So like having the Riddler be in the next 15 issues or 12 issues or whatever up until they reveal who the big bad is, I don't really feel like it would make that big of a difference. Riddler's still playing his part in the story. He's one of the three main villains that are happening, you know, that are taking place over the course of the story. And that's just what it is. You know, Hush played a, a you know prominent role in the second uh, act it was pretty much Penguin in the first act, and now we've got Riddler. So I'm I'm completely fine with it if they they go that route. You know, it might not be a memorable story for Lincoln March, Ra's al Ghul in the end, but I feel like you know having these other characters play prominent roles in the acts it gives them more of a memorable part of the story.
3: I hope you're right. To mm-hmm. be totally honest with you, yeah. I I, but, I could but then I that could...
2: gun's going to be pulled on you.
3: Yeah, well, you're gonna need. It looks like you're gonna need some new hosts because yeah, I guess so. Um, I hope you're right because my biggest problem I have with the story right now was, and I don't dislike it, but I swear when I saw that Riddler reveal, I was like, man, I've read this one before. You know, I mean, I I really hope you're right because at this point, it's it's startlingly similar to Hush. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's, I mean, that thing with the Riddler was, and and like I said, if, if Clayface shows up as Damian Wayne. And in time, the next few issues, I might, I might have to have some, some words. But um, I, I hope right now, I could see Rachel Ghul. I don't know about Lincoln March. Although Lincoln March makes a lot of sense for a story like Eternal, I don't know if everyone would get that, and you know, because that's yeah, and
2: that that is the one problem with him is not everybody's going to immediately know who he is.
3: Well yeah, because if if you think about this, if you're having a conversation with someone that doesn't follow Batman closely, and you're like, Oh yeah, the, the big, bad, and eternal is Lincoln March. A lot of people are going to go, Who the hell hell's Lincoln March? You know, like,
2: yeah, but the, the cool. other thing is we still haven't seen the Court of Owls. And the Court of I mean, I guess I'm in my mind I'm linking Court of Owls with Lincoln March because of that whole story. But it might just be the Court of Owls who are behind all of this. And maybe that's why at the at the beginning of Endgame, the place that Bruce is out of is one of the former Court of Owls Uh, you know, penthouses, and that's where his new base is because the Court of Owls is behind all this. But you still have to have somebody, you know, you can't just have this organization because you can't take down the organization because it's not the organization who's standing in front of him, you know, when he's tied to the bat signal. So maybe it is just, you know, the Court of Owls and it's Lincoln March back with the Court of Owls because we still haven't seen any sort of tied to the Court of Owls yet.
3: No, we haven't, and I think now here's the question too. If and I could live with the Rachel Ghoul by the one as well, but here's the question for that: like, if we do think that there is going to be another reveal, and let's say there's 15 issues left, why well, what issue do you think they're going to have to let us know? Because they're going to need a couple issues to wrap it up. So I would say in the next six or seven issues we'd have to know somewhere See, in that area. Um,
2: I no, I don't think so. I think the thing is, if they did it right, they could wait until the very last issue.
3: Wow. And do, do you like an aha moment?
2: Yeah. Like at the end. All right. So the thing is, I think it could be like a, you know, last minute aha moment, because I think if they did it right, they could set everything up, start checking off all the boxes of, well, who is behind this, who is behind this. And it could just be another villain who, you know, okay, well, it was this villain who was behind this, or, you know, maybe... Ar- uh, Riddler is the one who's behind, you know, the destruction of Arkham, and that's why he left the message in his cell. They could explain all of this stuff, but they don't necessarily have to reveal that it's not the Riddler until the last issue when Batman takes out the Riddler. Everyone's like, "Oh, okay, great, it's all done," and then, bam! It's revealed that it's not the Riddler and it's somebody else. They could do it last minute, and the biggest thing is knowing that there's going to be a Batman Eternal number two. Regardless of whether Ugh. it's going to be like a direct sequel or just a different storyline or whatever, knowing that there's going to be another one, they don't have to end it perfectly because the other part of it is we have other series that are taking place right now after the events of Endgame. So if it, they don't need to necessarily wrap everything up perfectly because we know that endgame takes place after it we know that catwoman takes place after it we know that you know all these other titles they're happening at different times so endgame happens which is essentially in some ways the epilogue to eternal even if it is its own story because it's dealing with the joker so i feel like it's probably going to end up being like if they did it right it could happen at the last issue
3: I suppose so, especially if it's going to be an open ended cliffhanger. I would, I tell you what I would like to avoid though, is I would, what I would really like to make sure we get here is after a 52 issue weekly story, which is a year of reading an issue a week, I would like some closure on this story arc. You know, like as much as I agree that you, you were very much probably, possibly right that they could do that, I would really like us to have this big giant story actually wrapped up and not a million fragments left out there. Now, you, I probably won't get that, but I think after 52 issues, we deserve... I mean, if you can't wrap up your story in 52 issues, you well, know...
2: And I agree with that, but the problem is that I'm just sitting here thinking, like, if you wrapped it up, like, what we see almost all the time with Snyder's stories in in Batman, he always has, like, the big reveal in the la- you know, in the last issue, but then, like, the last half of the issue is always, like, an epilogue, where it's, like here's, you know, how everything gets wrapped up in a nice little neat bow. And the problem is with a series like that, because it's a weekly, if you revealed it like th- three issues before the end and then you dealt with it for three issues of who the big bad was and then wrapping everything up perfectly, why would you even need to pick up the last couple issues other than just to get the closure for, you know, some subplots? It just seems like it, it would be like anticlimactic to have, you know, the reveal four issues three issues before the end
3: well but even if there's the reveal you still got to deal with how are they're going to defeat the person yeah
2: but i feel like
3: so here's my question the, the 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 scene we have in the very first page of eternal with him tied up right in the city burning when do you think that will happen because that's the whole linchpin of the story of how it's going to end do you think that's going to be at the beginning of issue 52 or 40 I mean, where do you think that will actually happen
2: i think it will be the second to last issue okay and you'll hear like the the majority of the issue will be some sort of like exposition of how this person or whoever you know whoever's behind it all is has been planning this and they will be linking up certain things they will be the ones who are explaining how it all wraps up but then it's not actually revealed until the last issue and then the last issue is taking down that person it's similar to what happened with Batman Endgame where Game, you know, the first issue starts off something horrible is happening. You're thinking, you know, what's going on? What, you know, why is it just like doing this? And then you find out at the very end of the issue, it's the Joker. That was a great issue, especially since it wasn't ruined and we didn't know who it was going to be or what was going to happen. But at the same time, I feel like they could easily do that with eternal. And then the, the final issue is them just taking it down. You know, they don't necessarily have to explain how, you know, if the city's burning the way it is in that first panel of eternal one, they don't necessarily have to explain how the entire city gets rebuilt. You know, how Wayne, you know, rises from the ashes and is, you know, gets his manor back. Because I don't think that's any of that's actually going to happen right away. Because as we see in our, in end he's not even in the manor anymore. He's in a penthouse. So, you know, I think everything could be explained elsewhere to like completely get everything back to, you know, a solid square, and it doesn't necessarily have to happen in Endgame.
1: What happens if they reveal it, but that's the end? Like they take, they go against Riddler or whomever. They take down Jason Bard, and they think it's all over. And it's like the last page. You see the actual villain.
2: That was. Uh, they, I would not want that.
1: You'd because be upset with that. That he yeah, be in the background. Okay.
2: Because then the problem is, then you have this. Well, the biggest problem I have with that is if that. If they chose to go that route, the biggest issue is you will not get closure. You will just basically have this other villain hanging out there as a possible threat, who is obviously a huge threat in this entire series because they planned all of this. But if they are the ones who are behind it and they don't, they're don't, they not taken down or something like that, how do you continue, especially since we know you know, end game and all these other books that are all the stories that are taking place after eternal. How do you go from there without addressing the fact that it wasn't, you know, that, that, that person wasn't dealt
3: with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think too, like I, I, this is a big story and I want it wrapped up now. I'm totally open for them doing another weekly story, but I want that to be standalone. I mean, yes. I mean the story can't, it can't be a sequel. It can't go on forever. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, and I've enjoyed eternal for the most part. I really have, but it just, if, if they do if they did something like that where, you know, see you in two months when we start Batman Eternal 2, another 50, 52 issues, stories can't go on forever. They have to stop at some point, you know?
1: Yeah, uh, I that, guess that – yeah.
3: I mean that would be my frustration. Now that being said, I love Scott Snyder as a writer, but he loves doing this. I don't know if you guys ever read the book he wrote. It's a collection of short stories where he tells every short story and then intentionally doesn't tell you the ending. <laughs> <laughs> so – he writes, what is that? He I would writes, ask
1: for a refund, man.
3: He, he writes ten short stories where they all cut off right before the reveal at the end.
1: Give me a break.
3: And it's supposed to be like, here, you make up your own ending now. Um, oh. So he does like to do stuff like that. So I would be, really hope we avoid something like that. I don't
2: think they could do that, it's, though.
1: It's like an imperial uh, affliction where the narrator is a girl that is dying and the book ends mid-sentence without you knowing what the heck happened with a bunch of characters. Because she does. That would be terrible. Yeah. I, what was I, I was going to say something. I, um, my concern, I like things being wrapped up. My concern is that th- sometimes things are wrapped up so conveniently and tidy that it's almost annoying. Like everything is just like dumped together in order to wrap everything up. And I almost would like a few strings to be left open so that it could make way for a future story or it could bridge the gap between Eternal number one and two or Eternal and perhaps another another book or maybe going to Batman or something. So that's my only concern, bringing in this bad guy in the last issue. I feel like that's going to be a rush job. And then are we going to be satisfied with Batman finding out who it is last issue and then 20 pages later, he's done, He's you know how how is the villain able to mastermind everything and get taken down in one issue that that I would have a problem with
3: I agree I think All it right. needs four issues to wrap up from the reveal. I think we have to know the identity of the final big bad at least four issues ahead of time, which is what makes me think that this is it.
1: What if Rachel Ghoul is really Jason Barr Jason Barr like rips off his mask <laughs> mission impossible style and it's Rachel Ghoul. <laughs>
3: Hell, that why not? <laughs>
2: well, then that means this entire story that they just told in the last two issues with Jason Bard is completely pointless, and that would piss me off. But whatever. <laughs> all right, all right. So, Batman Eternal thirty six. I the only other thing I randomly wanted to talk about, which it's I mean, it's minor, and we have already talked about this issue a lot, was the fact that uh, at this point Bard is pretty much stuck in a in a very peculiar position because. Vicki Vale knows his story. She knows why he's on the vendetta and she knows why he's doing it. She can easily print the story. If she does, he's ruined. So the, I don't even know that Bard needs to actually get taken down because even even Batman says, you know, you, you have the chance to do what's right. If you don't, it'll be bad for you. And I, I'm almost positive it's, you know, it's not just Batman who would make his life a living hell. It'd be Vicki Vale releasing that story. So... Uh, I'll just leave it at that. Batman Eternal 36. I thought it was great. Four out of five bat rings.
3: Three out of five.
1: Yeah, I liked the other one better. I'm surprised. Dustin, you didn't bring up the fact that Hush is in Batman's basement because I have a major problem with this, and this is just a recipe for disaster, in my opinion. See, Um, it
2: would be a a problem, but the way they explain it, with the fact that you know he's there because if they handed him over to the police, it would be it would be putting him right back to where he was. But then there's that. But then there's also the fact that it doesn't matter. Hush already knows who everybody is, so it's not really a you know it's not really bad.
3: Didn't you really want to have like? Like, when Jason Todd goes down there and sees Hush in a cage, didn't you really want to have, like, a Scott Evil moment from Austin Powers? We're like, no, let me just shoot him. You know, like, I'll take Hush out back and I'll just shoot him in the head and he'll be dead. You know, like, I wanted to see that because that's what I think Jason's reaction would be is just, let's just kill him. That's easier.
1: And, I mean, this is – that, as you explained it, Dustin, is a smart idea because – Arkham and other places have a revolving door where people go in and they're miraculously out and then we got to put them back in again. But is it going to be like the WB's The Flash where all of a sudden the Batcave is where he's putting all of these people? Hmm. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Yeah.
0: Um,
1: But anyway, so I liked the other one uh, a might bit better. And one thing I did want to mention about little Jason Bard's thing is... When they said Detroit, and I was reading this about, you know, a costume, I almost wondered if it was connected to the the uh, the Nightwing stuff because remember there were costume people running around and that was a big hubbub. But I remember that was in Chicago, but. I don't know. It, it was a little too similar uh, and it made me feel a little bit uncomfortable. That was like, hmm, could you have come up with something else? But uh, so I'll give this a 3.5 out of
2: 5. All right. And so over on the website, Corbin gave it four. So that's going to give Batman Eternal number 36 a total of three and a half out of five betterings. That is all of our books. Let's go over some of the stuff that we have over on the website. Uh, So as far as other books reviewed on the website, uh, Teen Titans Earth 1 Volume 1 reviewed by Josh. He gave it three out of five. Uh, Batman the Bat Batmanga Chapter 22 reviewed by Joseph. He gave it two and a half. Uh, Injustice Gods Among Us Year 3 Chapter 10 reviewed by Joseph. He gave it four and a half. Uh, Batman Eternal, number 35, reviewed by Corbin, gave it four. Grace number five, reviewed by Ryan, he gave it three. Legends of the Dark Knight, chapter number 80, reviewed by Ryan, he gave it four. Uh, Batman the Kawada Batmanga, chapter 23, reviewed by Joseph, he gave it one and a half. Injustice Gods Among Us, year three, chapter 11, reviewed by Joseph, he gave it two. Batman 66, chapter 49, reviewed by Ryan, he gave it four and a half. Batgirl, number 37, reviewed by Don. He gave it four. Harley Quinn, Holiday Special, number one, reviewed by Joseph. He gave it four and a half. Batman Eternal, number 36, reviewed by Corbin. Gave it four. New Suicide Squad, number five, reviewed by Joseph. He gave it four. Earth 2, World's End Issues, number seven through ten, reviewed by Ryan. He gave it two and a half. And last but not least, Legends of the Dark Knight, Chapter 81, reviewed by Ryan, he gave it 4.5. So those are all the reviews over on the website. Also, there are two editorials uh, related to comics, both written by our very own Stella. So uh, the first one is Why Convergence Breaks My Heart. Stella, just give us a short recap of what exactly the article is about.
1: Yeah, so basically seeing the list of, of stories that are coming out and their creators – I basically talk about why I don't think this is a good idea, just with where we are in DC New 52 and that we've moved on to a certain extent and really gotten acclimated to where we are now with New 52. And so to go back is is almost a bad idea just because it's going to be difficult to, I think, take uh, for our hearts to go back to our home because you can never go home again, back to our pre-New 52 home.
2: All right, and then the other editorial that Stella wrote is called School Dramas Are In.
1: Yes, School Dramas Are In are basically my thought of why I think writing comic books based in a school is a really good idea right now and I think that a lot of these comics are flourishing and I bring up Gotham Academy I bring up Image Comics Morning Glories and then I reference two past books uh, Five Weapons which is now ended from Image Comics and sorry to say Dustin uh, Spider-Man Loves Mary Jane and just the different aspects of why I think they are so
2: great right, so be sure to check out those two editorials as well as all of the other reviews we have over on the website. Uh, Alright, so for our spotlight this uh, episode, as I mentioned, we are taking a viewer, we're taking viewer, listener (laughs) Q&As
0: Boy, did you get a wrong number. Leave your message at the sound of the shriek. No, please don't!
2: So the only one we have is we had one thought on episode 148, and it came from our very own Don. And he said, listening to the news discussion on Convergence, I think you guys may be misremembering the exact nature of what the previous DC comic reboots were initially meant to be. It's not always been designed to achieve the same effect from the first crisis to the New 52, so I'll add my thoughts in. The initial crisis on Infinite Earths was done Primarily to streamline the comic book continuity. Although no one at the time really complained about it, editorial became nervous of over the multiverse theories with Earth 2, 3, X, and so on. The result was that the origins of the characters were largely altered, yet still relatively the same. The characters were still fairly recognizable for the most part. For instance, Jason Todd was still the current Robin, just had a different origin. Some were more drastically changed than others, like Wonder Woman, but by the end of the end, result made the comic slightly easier to get into and understand. At least, that was the idea. Zero Hour, done nine years later, was an attempt to further streamline the continuity and fix some of the problems the crisis created. It completely left certain aspects of the characters' histories blank, such as wiping out the Kathy Kane Batwoman and Joe Chill. It went further to deliver an easy-to-read history for the characters. Infinite Crisis was more of a meta commentary. The tonal for the tonal effects the previous decade had on the characters. Superboy Prime is going on about how everything is wrong and the characters are all different, like an old DC fan would. There was a very there was very little changed in terms of continuity aside from bringing back the concept of Joe Chill and reintroducing the multiverse with the Golden Age Superman. Otherwise, nothing much was different from post Crisis. It was sort of merged with pre Crisis, if anything. The New 52 is, in my mind, the most marketed publicized DC reboot done for the sole purpose of bringing in new readers. Like Ed said, it's the most dramatic in that its intent does not factor in the readers of the current storylines at the time, since they all ended abruptly. Although the first crisis ended some storylines, like Wonder Woman and Flash, much of the company kept trucking. It shows that the idea of a reboot doesn't always have the same intention of desired effect. If DC wanted to routinely reboot, they would further dilute the continuity each starting point would bring, thus erasing investment in the long-form storytelling. Disagreeing with Ed, no hardcore fan would stick around as there would be nothing for them to stick to considering each reboot succeeding the previous one would cater to the next incoming audience. All right so in regards to that I in some ways I agree and I mean I, I agree with all the history elements that that Don mentioned but when it comes to the hardcore fan I don't necessarily believe that's true I mean hardcore fans there are plenty of hardcore fans that left at when the new 52 happened including Don and Josh who both used to be on the comic cast they both gave up the new 52 books when that happened because they just did not enjoy what was going on um Don didn't do it right away because he was con- he was still on the Comic Cast and things like that. But eventually, he decided he wanted to get away from what was going on as well. Josh just literally dropped everything because he was <laughs> upset about the fact that they were dropped. They, they were out. changing it. <laughs> yeah, so I would bo- I would still consider both of those people hardcore fans. You're always going to lose lose fans when changes happen. Not everybody likes changes. And I know this is the time where we would enter in the song changes, yeah. but uh, the reality of it is changes are going to happen. You're always going to lose people when things change. But at the same time, if you get more people to come in, then you lose, you're succeeding. That is what a business is. You're always trying to bring in more to counteract the amount that's leaving. And as long as you have more coming in than you have leaving, you're always going to, it's always going to be a plus. So if that's what DC is going to do and they're going to alienate some old DC Comics fans every couple years when they do these things, well, that's just what happens. If, but if the whole intent is – I feel like Convergence, the whole intent is to kind of try to draw some of those original fans that were ticked off about the New 52. I feel like that's to draw them back in, honestly. It feels like it's they're trying to draw them in with stories about the characters that they appreciated whether or not it was from pre new to, you know, pre-crisis, you know, stuff like that. There, there's like a, a little of everything. So it's almost like they're trying to bring
3: everybody back. Um yeah, what you're talking about, a plus net gain, right? Yes. Like this this is the new Coke thing. Right. This is every time Doritos changes nacho cheese Doritos. You know they've changed. They've tasted different every five years for the past twenty years. Yeah. Right. It's all about okay. If a hundred thousand people bought it before, and at the end of the day, if one hundred twenty thousand people buy it, we don't really care if it's seventy thousand new people, as long as we have a plus net gain. Right. I mean that's a basic marketing and sales strategy right there, and I think that's all DC cares about is if we were selling a hundred thousand. I'm just using round numbers. If we were selling a hundred thousand issues normally and after we did this we're selling 120,000 they don't care if all 120,000 are new people really i mean i know that sounds jerky but from the business side of it all they care about is attracting new readers that's it i mean and, and that's you could look at that as as not ideal certainly for for a fan right but that is at the end of the day what they're trying to do but then there's also the new coke thing you know which is you change coke and it's a disaster and and sales drop off, and you go back to, to Coca Cola Classic, um, which maybe you know you could say maybe that's what we're going to see here in, in convergent. Now I personally, but I
2: wonder. But I just got to interrupt. I wonder yeah, if yeah. sometimes if the intent is for that to happen, like introduce new Coke, and then everybody goes back to Coke Classic.
3: Yeah, because we like, love.
2: Yeah, like, it's like maybe because, they're they're making people appreciate what was before.
3: Oh yeah, no, there's there's no doubt that you can do the old. Hey, it's you know, hey, if we, if we turn back the clock, you guys won't bitch anymore because you saw what happened last time. You know, like, there is some of that there. Um, but my views on Convergent are a little bit different, and I'm probably wrong. To me, this is DC taking all those – and then we don't have any solicitations past it, so this is all conjecture. But and as opposed to, to – I think what they're doing is they're taking all these old characters out that people haven't got to see since the New 52 and that everyone's been clamoring for. Giving them one more time in the in the sun before they shoot them in the back of the head, wow. you know, for once for once and for all, like, okay, here they are, they're pretty. You guys like seeing them again? We're done now, because I don't think they can walk it back from the new fifty-two. Because if they do, I mean, remember there was so much stuff about Jeff Johns and guys like Snyder and other writers that had planned story arcs way down the road in the new 52. Remember that was supposedly part of the deal, right? Like Jeff Johns had forever evil. And then the next big event and this earth Two war thing with futures in that we're building up to, and they have all this building on the new 52 universe. If they were to back it up a little bit, I think it shows real lack of, of belief in their plan for one thing. And the sales numbers say that it's working. Um, So I think this is just, Let's let everyone see their shiny toys again before we get rid of them.
2: So those were the, that was the only comment we had. I'm not sure what would happen. We went from having like buttloads of uh, comments to one comment over two episodes. So, not sure what happens. Probably the holiday season. Everybody's super busy and not having time to leave comments. But as I as always, be sure to leave your comments in the comment section for the podcast post over on the website. Uh, that way, in two two episodes from now, we will talk about your comments and uh at, you know answer your questions and things like that i'm sure if you're sitting around on the holidays and you've got nothing to do and you're listening to the podcast uh, i'm sure you have uh, you know some ability to get onto the internet and leave your comments so that way we can talk about those two episodes for now all right so with that that is everything for this episode i do want to remind everybody that uh just a couple things. Obviously, head over to the website for all kinds of stuff related to the Batman universe, including comics and all kinds of other things. Be sure to check out all of our other podcasts. Uh, as far as staff, we're still looking for news reporters. I I feel like a broken record every single episode when we talk about this because I'm not even getting any responses at all about news reporting. Um Pretty much the website has become a very great place for editorials and reviews, but we're sorely lacking on the news. So uh, to propel ourselves into the next year, really looking for news reporters outside of that, um, we're always looking for a bunch of other things. Be sure to check out the uh, link on the website. Uh, I want you for tbu and you can see what we're looking for but uh the main thing is we're going to be going through another overhaul starting starting uh next year and uh some things are going to be changing not necessarily directly related to the website but a lot of things are going to be ramping up to prepare for batman vs superman and the dc (laughs) film universe so with that being said Now is the time, as I always say, to get involved with what's going on with TBU. So, um, we are setting a specific goal for next year. Not going to say what it is, but there's a goal next year. And uh, the goal is to essentially just, you know, obviously get bigger, get better, have more content, and, you know, and then in turn become a premier, one of the premier sites. For Batman news uh, on the web uh, on on the internet, so now is the time to get involved. Um, all right, so are
1: you I, I finally step off kick my, me off?
2: No, stepping <laughs> off my stepping off my soapbox. Um, oh. With that, uh, also please remember that next episode for Comic Cast will be three weeks from now.
3: Daniels
2: because we have five weeks in the month of December. So enjoy the holidays. Um, Outside of that, be sure to be watching the website the next couple weeks. Obviously, it's probably going to be a little bit lighter as far as any news that actually comes out and content in general just because of the holidays. But uh, enjoy the holidays. Uh, We wish you a great holiday and a happy new year. And we will see you guys in three weeks.
3: Goodbye. Try new Coke.
0: get your Christmas present
3: or the kitties get it let them go Joker it's me you want
0: Merry Christmas
2: Batman well go on open it and now a very special holiday present for our very own Terry thanks Terry for keeping TBU running with news
3: Don't do it, Batman! Easy, Robin.
0: Downstairs, gotta have my bowl, gotta have cereal Seeing everything, the time is going Ticking on and on, everybody's rushing Gotta get down to the bus stop Gotta catch my bus I see my friends kicking in the Driving on the highway cruising So fast I want i the fly Fun, fun Think about fun You know what it is I got this You got this My friend is by my right Hey I got this You got this
2: In the front, in the front in the seat, in the back seat. driving, cruising, yeah, yeah. past yeah. lanes, switching lanes, with a car by my side,
0: yeah. passing by, it's a scooper, it's in, in front of me, tock, tiktok, tock, on the street, my
2: time is Friday, it's a weekend, yeah. we
0: gonna have fun, come on, come on, y'all. It's Friday, Friday, gotta get down on Friday, everybody's looking forward to the week. I'm not afraid to